Thanks, Pastor Sean. Yeah, so we'll be in 1 Samuel. So if you have your Bibles or your app or whatever the case is, you can open that up. So continue to look at the, um, right, the life of David and ways that we can uh, seek to apply that to our life and, and grow in our walk um, with him. So I'm going to pray for us, and then I'm going to read the passage, and we'll jump in. Uh, Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, as we open your word, meet us. Um, Father, that we would um, see you face to face through your word, and that we would be changed, that we would leave here um, different, Father, and, and um, our mind being renewed um, through reading and listening to your word. Uh, praise in Jesus' name. Amen. So, 1 Samuel chapter 21, we look at uh, the rest of that chapter, and we'll go to 22.5. Here's God's word. And David rose and fled that day from Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said to him, Is not this David, the king of the land? Did they not sing to one another of him in dances? Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. And David took these words to heart and was much afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. So he changed his behavior before them and pretended to be insane in their hands. And made marks on the door of the gate, and let his spittle run down his beard. Then Achish said to his servants, Behold, you see this man is mad. Why then have you brought him to me? Do I lack madmen? That you have brought this fellow to behave as a madman in my presence. Shall this fellow come into my house? David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adalem. And when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down down there to him. And everyone who was in distress and everyone who was in debt and everyone who was bitter in soul gathered to him and he became commander over them. And there were with him about 400 men. And David went from there to Mizpah of Moab and he said to the king of Moab, please let my father and my mother stay with you till I know what God will do for me. And he left them with the king of Moab and they stayed with him all the time that David was in the stronghold. Then the prophet Gad said to David, Do not remain in the stronghold. Depart and go to the land of Judah. So David departed and went into the forest of Hereth. You're probably sitting there right now like, What in the world does this have to do? And how is this going to be applied to our lives? So, um, so this is the passage that we, I've been spending the last couple weeks uh, looking at and thinking about. Um, and the title, if you will, of the sermon would be homelessness. And so uh, homelessness is part of the human condition, right? Dysfunction in our home, in our work, friend situations um, can foster this sense of homelessness, right? It's easy to feel disconnected, right? The feeling that you just don't belong here or there. I'll go a step further and say uh, that even having a functional home uh, functional home life doesn't make you immune to having that quite, that feeling of, of I just don't quite belong syndrome, right? If for nothing else than for life's impermanence, right? It seems like we are constantly in a stage of changing and adapting, right? You think of home life, right? If you're, uh, from a parent's perspective, if you have kids, they are constantly changing, 
right? As soon as you figure them out, they move on and you are back to trying to refigure them out. At every stage, right, babies, toddlers, adolescents to young adults, they're constantly changing and constantly becoming more and more independent, right? And the Lord provides, they get married and they have their own family and then the process starts all over for them. You look at politics, right? We elect officials, then they don't win the next time and someone else new comes into the office. Things are constantly adjusting, shifting politically. We are constantly in a stage of changing and adapting. And we see this in David's life as well. And it's something that happens over the course of just a few months from what I read. Six times over that span, David moves locations. Right, starting at, actually at the beginning of, of chapter 21 that I didn't read. Six times over that span. Right, he moves from one Israelite knob. Two, Philistine, Gath. Three, he's in the wilderness of Adullam. Four, he's Mizpah of Moab. Five, he's in the stronghold. And six, he's in the forest of Hereth. He's all over the place. Six places in rapid succession. Right? No Israelite or Philistine city will shelter him. And in Gath, they seize him and, and threaten his life. <clears throat> Excuse me. And he's reduced to begging in Mizpah. And he's drooling in Gath to protect himself. We're told, really kind of reminded in, in verse 11 of chapter 21, right, that who's David? He's, he's the anointed king. And yet David is akin to pushing a shopping cart full of all of his belongings. And he's living under a bridge just trying to survive. Right, moving from one place to another so that no one catches up to him and, and kills him. And as if that isn't enough, he has his aging parents with him and his brother to take care of, who have no place to stay because of their association with him. And on top of all of that, you get to chapter 22, verse 2, and who does he have? 400 troubled people that have gathered to him, right? described as distressed, in debt, and who are bitter in soul. Sounds like a real fun group, doesn't it? Things are going really, really well for David at this point here. Let me bring it a little closer to home for us. Church should be the closest to home we feel, right? outside of our own family. But one of the reasons church doesn't always feel like home is because no one has to audition for it, right? It just takes whoever comes in the door, right? Walks through those double doors. Our church family, it can be difficult. It can even be unpleasant at times. People can be demanding. They can be needy, even mean-spirited, right? I mean, unlike you and I, of course. It's all the other people that do all those things. This is David's situation to the nth degree. Right? The question is, what is God up to in this story? Right? David is the anointed king, the one after God's own heart. God truly loves him. And yet all of this is happening to him. 
What is going on? And what does it mean for us as we experience homelessness in our own lives? So there's two things I want to look at this evening. First, God is showing David and, and us that he is David's home, that he is our home. And two, he's giving us a picture of himself. So hopefully you leave here with those two, at least somewhat scratched to the surface. All right, think about David's experience in Gath. Gath is Goliath's hometown, right? The guy that David had become famous for killing grew up in that town, right? Can you imagine? Like, things must be pretty desperate for David if he is seeking refuge in that city, but he does. And that experience forced him to rely on God in a way he never had before. Not just for a few moments like he did when he faced down Goliath, but rather day in and day out, as counselors to Achish the king remind him of how dangerous David is. Right? Verse 11 tells us, Did they not sing to one another of him in dances? Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. David writes about his Gath experience um, in, in two psalms. I think only two. In Psalm 56, so if you have your Bible, you can turn there. But Psalm 56, verse 8, when he says, You have kept count of my tossings, right? my wanderings. You have kept count of my tossings. You put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Right? In other words, David learned to say, Lord, you have kept track of every sleepless night as I have lived in Gath. Right? You've, you've weighed out the tears that I have cried. Right? He knows about every tear that you have cried. And more than that, he has stored them because they are precious to him. Why? Because he loves you. That's how much he cares for his people. David goes on in verse 9 of that chapter in Psalm. Then my enemies will turn back in that day when I call. This I know, that God is for me. Right? That, that reality or, or ability for David to say, this I know, God is for me, doesn't come overnight, does it? Right? It's ra- rather, it comes through a season of what I'll call homelessness. Right? Through a season of uncertainty, maybe even danger. Right? And we learn something more about David's deliverance while in Gath from the other psalm that he wrote. He's, he had a lot, of, a lot of time to reflect and think about as he's writing these, these psalms. You flip over to Psalm 34, where David declares, God delivered him from his fears and his broken heart. Look at verse 4. I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Right? What, what can really undo us? In, in lonely and unsettled times is not the, the circumstances of those times per se, but it's the fears that those circumstances can generate. Right? The what ifs. What could be, what could come. Right? For David, it, it was achish and what he might do to him. Right? It was all the sleepless nights wondering what was going to happen while he was in Gath. 
or his worry over his family. It was all, all the distressed and bittered people that were following him. Like, would they turn against him? Would they kill him? How am I going to lead these people? Why, God, did you bring these people? Why didn't you bring better people to me? It's the same thing for us. All the what-ifs. What-could-happen scenarios that circle in our mind and start to undo us. FDR, in his inaugural address as president, spoke about this reality. In a famous quote, at the height of the Depression, he stated that the only thing we have to fear is what? Fear itself. He's tapping into this problem, right? This reality. God means to overcome your fears. That's what Psalm 34.4 is getting at. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Didn't remove them, delivered me. And God also means to heal your inner wounds. Down in verse 18 of, of Psalm 34. David says, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. David was forced to separate from his wife, Michael, as he flees Saul in chapter 19. He also had to leave Saul's son, Jonathan, who had become like a brother to him, you see in chapter 20. He has to leave his own family in Moab in 22. All these things just breaking his heart. Crushing his spirit. And yet in the midst of all these absences, and and because of them, David began to discover that God would never desert him. All these absences were happening constantly in his life. But there's one that never did. The Lord was near to him. He never departed from his side. That's what Psalm 34, 18 is getting at. Right, family, friends can be fun and safe, right? Romance is intoxicating. Sports can thrill us and, and bond people together. School, work can be exhilarating, it can be rewarding. The list could go on. But if we expect these things to be home, with a capital H, right? In the deepest sense, if we expect them to be permanently satisfying and always safe, they will disappoint you. And that's why Moses writes in Psalm 90, verse 1, Lord, you have become our dwelling place in all generations. Lord, you have become our dwelling place in all generations. Right? Augustine, years later, echoes this reality When he says, what's now a fairly popular quote about God, you made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you, because you made us for yourself. Right? One of the reasons why restless stuff happens and things don't seem to settle, whether you are emphatically not a Christian, starting to look at Christianity, or a follower of Christ, is because you are not made for things, for the stuff of this life. Right? You're made for God, the God who made you. 
Right? He is the home that he is calling all of us to. And God's up to one more thing in this passage that I want to walk through in 1 Samuel. And that's our second point. That he is giving us a picture of himself as we see David's homelessness. David's story foreshadows the story of Jesus. Right? The homelessness that, homelessness that God would one day choose for himself. Right? Like David, David, Jesus lived hand to mouth. Matthew 8:20. And Jesus said to them, "Foxes have holes, birds have the air, birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head." Like David, Jesus was lonely. John 1:11 tells us that he came to his own and his own people did not receive him. He was born in the stables. Why? Cuz there was no room for him in the inn. There's no room for him when he was born. And that was a reality for him for a good chunk of his life. Even the company that he kept was more like the 400 men of David than these elite followers of Christ. They never fully understood him in the three years that they followed him and spent day in and day out with him. They walked with him, they talked with him, they listened to him, but they never really got him. Right? They sort of got him sometimes. But imagine how that must have felt. He was lonely in the midst of his friends. They fell asleep in the Garden of Gethsemane when he needed them most. They deserted him when the mob came to take him. One of them betrayed him, the other disowned him. And while there's a lot of parallels to David's story, I think there are two major differences that I want to draw out. First, David's isolation was forced on him. Jesus chose his isolation. Jesus chose his loneliness. Philippians 2, 6 and 7. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. All right, he emptied himself. He wasn't made empty. He emptied himself. He chose to go unrecognized in the world. He said in John 13 to his disciples, where I go, you cannot follow. Jesus chose his isolation. Second, Jesus' homelessness was far more acute than David's because his descent into it was far more significant. He came from a much higher place. David's home was with Jesse, right, Moabite, borderline outsider. Jesus' home was with the Father, where he was known perfectly and loved perfectly. He left all of that to join us. And we have tried to capture this reality in songs over the years, especially during Advent season, because of significance for us. We have songs like Thou Who Wast Rich Beyond All Splendor, which we'll sing here shortly, Let All Mortal Flesh Keep Silent. I want you to listen to a couple of the, a couple of the verses of it. As we just try to capture the, the immense reality 
that takes place. Thou who was rich beyond all splendor, all for love's sake became as poor. Thrones for a manger did surrender. Sapphire paved courts for stable floor. Let all mortal flesh keep silent and with fear and trembling stand. Ponder nothing earthly minded, for with blessing in his hand, Christ our God to earth descendeth, our full homage to demand. Rank on rank, and the host of heaven spreads its vanguard on the way, as light of light descendeth from the realms of endless day, that the powers of hell may vanquish as darkness clears away. Why did God do this? Why did he descend into homelessness? Or the Bible tells us that it's to bring you and I home, to bring us back to the place that we belong, that we were made for. John 14.2 says, In my father's house, his home, are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? During the terrible darkness of Good Friday, a month away, facing his crucifixion, the loneliness reaches a climax. When the one consolation one consolation that Jesus had. The company of his father was denied to him. When he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus refused entry into the door of his father's house. Why? So that we could find welcome there. His rejection is our welcome. And all of this happens because God actually wants you. He wants you and me with him. He's not just looking past us for someone more interesting to show up like we often do. He wants to be with us and to have us with him. And he doesn't just love you, he likes you. He adores your company. He looks forward to the day that you will behold him face to face. Church, as you walk through the homelessness of your circumstances, death, displacement, fear, anxiety, right, that list, I mean, could just go on and on. May you find rest in the Father the way David did, trusting him for your daily bread. As David faced displacement, family uprootedness. As David walks through fearing for his life, his very life, every day. Not knowing where he needs to go next. As he learns through that process to trust God. We need to be reminded that God's meeting us, just as he did David, in the midst of all those circumstances. Doesn't always look like it, right? David doesn't know as he's sitting here drooling in gath, trying to protect his life, or as he's leaving his parents who are kind of guilty by association, what's going to happen to them or what's going to happen to him or how all of this plays out. But he's continually reminded that God hasn't left me, God hasn't deserted me, God is with me, God is for me, God has me and has a purpose and place in his life. May we find our encouragement as that as we face all the things we will 
that we have no clue is going to happen in the next week, in the next month, let alone all the things we already know that we're wrestling with. God can handle it, and you can through him. Let's pray. Lord, we praise you for your descent and your chosen homelessness. Father, would we find our rest and our comfort in you and you alone. Father, help us as we navigate the the ups and the downs of this life. Father, give us your perspective, give us your, your wisdom, your perseverance. Father, you are our home. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.